Iron from Ice. Hello, and welcome to 2C1C, a Game of Thrones living card game podcast founded in 2010 by myself, Will Lentz, Greg Atkinson, and Brad Zeiler. These days, my co-hosts may differ, but we're generally pulling from at least some familiar core of voices. Many thanks go out to Fantasy Flight Games, George R. Martin, Card Game DB, and Josh Woodward for the CC licensed music you're hearing now. This is Season 5. Yeah. So how do you like that? Like I said, it's... Very short intro yes. time. It's a good one, though. Yeah. Impact. Impact. I sure thought so. Well, uh, welcome back, listeners, to another brand new episode of Two Champs and a Chump. Uh, still running here, trucking right along. We've got a little bit of news this week. And for those of you that listen regularly, you may notice a uh, different voice than usual on the line with me. Of course, I'm Will, sometimes known as Kenan, uh, but who is joining me this week? Hey, everyone. My name is Kyle Slensky. You might know me better as my alter ego, Arm Pitt, Brad Pitt's younger brother. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, I also go by Wolfgang Zentz. You probably know me that way on basically everywhere on the entire internet. Where did uh, that particular name come from? Uh, it's actually quite a long story. I don't know if you want me to actually get into it, but uh, it's a, a guy in uh, Germany. It's a German aristocrat who uh, just has a funny name, basically, because his name essentially means Wolfgang Mustard in German. <laughs> and, uh, we, wrote, we wrote a song about him when I was a kid, and basically his uh, publicist found it, and we got published in a German newspaper very obscure German newspaper because of it. So. Hmm. That's, uh, that's interesting, for sure. Cool story, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, how'd you go from uh, German mustard to uh, Game of Thrones? Well, I mean, I've been in the game since basically the beginning. I came out, I, I, I got into the game, I think, right, uh, right around, like, right after... The Westeros came out, I guess it was. Is that the first one? I think it was. Yeah, Westeros edition was the first set. Yeah, I went to my local card store to see if anyone was playing a different game, and nobody was, but I saw, I heard them talking about uh, Tyrion Lannister, and I was like, hey, I started reading those books, what's going on? And they're like, ah, it's this really good game. And then basically went from there. And, uh, you know, periods where I just don't play for pretty long periods, but I've pretty much always come back to it, and it's that's the game I love. It's the game that kind of helps define me. Just when you thought they were done. Yeah, exactly. Back in. Yep. <laughs> so, um, well, we do have a little bit of a excitement here. For the listeners, it's been a well, it's been a dry period for Game of Thrones for a while now. Despite having uh, having Gen Con and Worlds and Stalic and Red Saturday, uh, something just hasn't quite felt the same. 
Now, you know, part of that more recently here is definitely due to the uh, the 2.0 announcement, I'm sure, uh, kind of pushing people's attention that way. But compounding that problem is the fact that we have not seen new cards in a very long time. Makes things feel a little stale, I think. Yeah, I agree. But uh, I think, I hope, uh, I, I downright pray to the seven that that's going to change soon. Uh, because FFG was kind enough to provide us with a new preview card for this week. Uh, from the first pack of the cycle, which unfortunately I forget the name of now. Um, but this one looks like a doozy. Kyle, you wanna, you wanna lay that one on us? Sure. So, uh, I'll start off by saying it's a character. It is called Green Sears Raven. It's cost one, strength one, and has a power icon. It's a raven and a creature. Text is no attachments with stealth. Response: Discard Green Seer's Raven from your hand to cancel the when revealed effects of a just revealed plot card with one or more traits. Wowza! Yeah, I think this could be a really interesting card and could definitely change some of the some of the metagame a little bit even. Yeah, very, I, go ahead. Uh, I, I'm just gonna say it's very very strong. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think that uh, that changes things quite a lot for, uh, I mean, it, it definitely makes me reconsider some of the stuff I've been playing lately. Of course, I took a deck that leaned heavily on city plots to worlds, and uh, it, it really uh, needs some of that extra control that those provide, and certainly counts on it. If you can't count on that anymore... You're in an awkward, uh, awkward place there, um, yep. and definitely, definitely, I think stands a chance to rein in some of that river plot uh, shenanigans. Yep, agreed completely. Although I will say, aren't yeah, it's actually I don't think it does hit it. What's that? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I, I mean you can cancel it. Yeah, you can cancel it. Oh, that's a good point. So it does hit it pretty badly, actually. I would yeah. think it's completely different. Uh, Hitting that crossing seems seems yeah. like it would still do some work. Yeah, that's true. Or the, the duplicate one. Yeah, yeah either or, especially if you've got it. I mean, and this is a raven. Not only is it neutral, so it can go into any deck, but it's a raven, so there's a strong capability to use your own when-revealed plot to search it out. Though, of course, if this goes way up in popularity, maybe your opponent is also playing them and then uses his Green Seer's Raven to cancel uh, your Raven search. That's uh, <laughs> quite a little rabbit hole there. I mean, and there's not much, really, that's going to cancel the, the Ravens themselves. Of course, Harrenhal, though it's it's debatable um, how often you'll, you'll really want it so bad that you want to kill your character... Um, Greyjoy's got a couple options, right? Seasick could do it. Uh, Alanis could do it. Am I missing anything? Not likely to be a Kraken unless you've got uh, fish whiskers out with no warships. Ah, uh, yes. Very good point there. Uh, man, it hits at the gates. That's a big one. Oof. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's man, it's just crazy. This does a lot. You know, and it's, it's a really efficient uh, body, too, even aside from that ability. You know, one drop with stealth, uh, you know, is is the, I don't know, kind of the, the bare minimum to push challenges through with the the lowest investment there. Um, 
it's kind of crazy. I, I remember uh, decrying Carrion Bird when it first came out because it was this this one drop stealthy character. It was neutral. It's going to be everywhere. I guess it says something about the power creep of the game over the years that uh, I don't know. I guess that that feases me so much less these days. Yeah. Uh, it also triggers Samwell, so I don't see any downside to even just throwing one Samwell in if you're going to run this guy. Uh, that's actually a great point. There's going to be some decks now uh, that could really generate a lot of draw off of off of Samwell um, if they want to play three of the Green Sears Ravens and three Carrion Birds. They're pretty set right there. Then yeah. if they want to roll a season, it starts looking even better kind of interesting that on the one hand this reigns in uh some of the the neutral draw we draw here in quotes that we've been getting uh via the rivers while enabling a different set of neutral draw yeah yeah that's really interesting although samwell i don't know i don't consider samwell to be that great unless you happen to be running seasons but i mean some people run him and it's it's pretty good so yeah He's, he's relatively solid. You know, a lot of things can answer him, but uh, on the other hand, you're also not necessarily tied into seasons anymore um, yeah. to run him. I mean, we've got, what, three neutral one-drop Ravens with the, the full icon spread that don't have any, don't, you know, require us to mess with the seasons now. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Technically, uh, four is, what's his name? Oh, Old Bear's Crow. Pro, yeah. yeah, forgot about that. If you're if you're playing the heavy Night's Watch deck, which you know you're playing Sam, you probably are, right? Yeah. <laughs> if you're not playing it a season, maybe. Well, there you go. Uh, should be, I think, a really uh, exciting card. Looks like it's really gonna shake up the the meta some there, push people in some different directions. I think uh, a, uh, there's definitely some drive there to have. Uh, to look at plots that have, say, strong passive effects or something. Um, definitely shows even even though uh, FFG knew this this may well be the the last set for 1.0, they're, they're sure leaving us with some doozies to shake things up. Yeah, that's sure what it sounds like. Aside from that, we definitely wanted to, to hit on some of that other more recent stuff that, that's happened, we had Red Saturday. I know uh, Kyle, uh, especially having played the game that long, uh, I think has been been uh, aware and to one extent or another in, involved or participated in uh, that tournament for quite a while now, right? Yeah, yeah. I've been in it, uh, let's see, I think probably four years in a row now or so, maybe five, I'm not sure, but it's been around for a long time. Um and, you know, it's run by the New York Meta, and it's kind of designed to be a, a nice kind of wrap-up to the tournament season here in the U.S. Uh, it's basically the last tournament before all the holidays and before the next season begins. And it's really designed to just have everyone get together one last time and just have, you know, a nice, pleasant tournament where you typically don't play decks that are what you took from Worlds or, you know, anything that anybody at Worlds had. Uh, you are allowed to play them, for sure. It's just not usually encouraged, although it's also not really discouraged. You can play whatever you want, and you know it's absolutely fine. There could be no criticism for that. I, myself, built the deck the night before at about 10 p.m., and I said to myself, well, it's New York, so I have to be able to beat Targ. <laughs> and I, know 
I know there's going to be a lot of uh, Barra, so as long as I can somehow attempt to beat Barra, then I should be able to go at least three and three with a deck like that. And surprisingly, I was able to come up with something in that vein and was successful at going four and two with uh, a deck that I think is relatively unconventional. Uh, which is another thing that a lot of people would know me for, is playing unconventional decks, claim-raising decks, stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, it was a good time. Uh, I encourage everybody, everybody's invited to come to Red Saturday if uh, if you have the time off or anything like that, you know, maybe for Thanksgiving or whatever. You know, everybody's invited. We'll always have people that might have room. Like, I myself have a bed that can probably fit two people uh, as long as they're not typical nerd and uh, <clears throat> everything like would be absolutely awesome if we could get you know more people to this thing I think we had how many did we have this year was it uh, I forget now exactly but I remember it being probably in the top five for total number of people for a tournament in the US I think it was close to like 40 or maybe it was over. I want to say I had heard 36 uh, thrown around yeah, I think that's about right. I couldn't remember exactly where it landed, but yeah, 36 sounds about right. And we typically, frankly, we get, it's, it's a really tough tournament, so it's not like, you know, the New York guys are just playing fun decks, or the DC guys, they, they frequently come up and play really good decks, too. It's just not what they took the world. This year, it was won by uh, Seth Lowe, who played his world deck, which was, uh, it seems controversial at first, but there's really, to me, there's no controversy. It's just, you're allowed to play it if you want to, and he did, and he did well with it. Uh, maybe a little more, not so much controversial, but stunning was, uh, second place was uh, Derek Schumacher, who, uh, Schumacher, I'm not sure how he pronounces it. I want to say Schumacher, but uh, yeah. it's been a while. Uh, former overall world champion, and he, uh, he brought Tully's, and ended up really wrecking house. Uh, Seth's deck was a Lannister deck, which you know, kind of inherently has a good a good matchup versus most Stark, and uh, was able to just put him away in the finals. Uh, but yeah, it was really really interesting. I think we had, I think there were two. Uh, was it Targ? Actually, I'm forgetting now what was third and fourth. I feel like it was two uh, Targ decks, but I could be mistaken from from New York. Yeah, so that's that. And uh, yeah, I was hoping we could talk about the deck that I played, if possible. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that seems like a good idea. Um, you know, speaking of that, that deck in particular, you know, it's probably worth pointing out uh, in, in conjunction with Red Saturday. I mean, the reason you're on here to uh, to talk about this deck is because uh, you, you lucked out and, and won that opportunity as a prize. That's right, yeah. I should mention also that we do do a lot of prizes for Red Saturday. It's a huge raffle event. Um you do the raffling slightly different at times, but uh, this year I think you got tickets for registering, or basically for playing, and then tickets uh, if you ended up with a, a losing score and some, a few other things, you can buy them as well. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's pretty cheap, like three for five, I think. Three tickets for five dollars, I think. And you can win a lot of really cool stuff. Dan Struhall put up his uh, top 16 melee. Uh, you know, play mat. Oh, wow, with the uh, Power of Blood, those are gorgeous mats. Yeah, exactly. And they're, they're worth money, you know. If you think about it, there's probably only 20 or so in the entire world, and 
you know, I got one like that last year at Worlds for the top uh, whatever it was, I forget, for something. And I just hold on to it because it's a it's a memento and it's really, really good. And I, I just like having it, you know. And oftentimes people will put up just craziness. We got uh, a bunch of French alternate art cards, I believe some Spanish ones. Uh, Seth Booth, who uh, formerly of New York, now he's in, I believe, Ann Arbor, Michigan. He came just to play in the tournament and uh, he brought a self-made wooden deck box that was he uh, carved it and just incredible craftsmanship and just really really oh, wow there's another targ deck box these are both targ there's another one donated that was pretty awesome um that one was for the Tyrion prize which i guess is the bubble yeah oh. the worst place to be <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and so yeah i mean there's, there's a lot more than just the camaraderie there you can win a lot i won the uh it was either me or Jane, my fiance, uh, won the the ticket for talking about a deck on teaching up to the chump, and I was really, really happy with that. I, I, I said to her <laughs> just before they were calling for this one, I was like, "This is really the thing that I want. This is this would be perfect because I, I love these deck discussions like this, and it's like exactly right for me. I don't really need any of the other things." you know, badly at all. So I don't mind if everybody else wins those, as long as I get this. And then they called the number that one of us had. She's like, here you go. Happy birthday. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Which, of course, is in January, but who cares? It's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, it's, so it's just a little bit early. Yeah, exactly. That's not too bad, really. Yeah, I thought it was good. Yeah, so the... Uh, Mind if I start going into the deck? Yeah, I was going to say lay it on us. Uh, right. I definitely like the looks at it, of it when you sent the list. Yeah, so it's it's a Greyjoy deck, hence or because it's designed to beat Targ. That's, that or some kind of Barra deck is the best to beat Targ, I think, right now. Um, with Greyjoy, there's a lot of cancels, there's a lot of location hate, and there's a lot of uh, resilience with saves. And not just, you know... Not always necessarily saves from terminal, but saves in general so that board wipes and things can go in your favor. Uh, there's also, of course, Baylor Black Tide, who is more or less, I would, I would think anyway, Targ is a bane. So I started off with a Greyjoy base, <coughs> but I found that Greyjoy was just really, really weak to Baratheon because they don't really care. Baratheon doesn't care if you Valor. They'll just get all their guys back, you know, into their discard pile and then play Melt's scheme. And they'll also take your guys with Mel's favor and kill them. So, with uh, Heron Hogs. So, I, I just, uh, I wanted some way around that. And I, I was thinking about different tricks that had been done to me in the past. I remembered a really obscure one by a guy named Tony here in New York from, uh, I think he's from Long Island. And he, uh, he almost never plays anymore. I, I don't think I've seen him in like two or three, maybe even four years now. Oh, wow. But he's still one of the best players that we have here in New York, and he's just fantastic. And he did this trick where he would play um, Miranese Brothel out of house in his Greyjoy deck. And then he would either put a card into Shadows when he had a boatswain out, or he would attack with a military challenge with a... Uh, oh, Ancient Mariner. Ancient Mariner, yeah. That's oh, right. sneaky. But, man, I could do that now with Conquest with very little downside, because having, I mean... Location hate's not nearly as big these days, it, it feels like. So I said, all right, well, what if I put in, like, Aegon's Hill, and then the only thing that I made also that would be slightly fragile 
something which cannot be killed. And that was slightly based on a deck that I had before that was uh, Lannister Conquest of Targ that used the unkillable dragons. And I, I didn't really want to include the dragons because it, just, it was just janky, frankly. It, it didn't really fit well together. But I was like, Mad King Eris also slots in well, as long as you have enough gold to get them out, because Greyjoy doesn't really have a huge amount of character control. Mm-hmm. So it's like a very simple way to get rid of, or slow down at least rush decks, which could come close to just handling, you know, Baratheon. Um, and then, in addition to that, Mirny's Brothel handles uh, Mel's Favors, it handles Enslaved, it handles uh, Frozen Solid, it handles a lot of things, although obviously if Frozen Solid's on it, it can't handle it. But it just, it actually handles a lot of things. So this is really largely designed to be a flexible deck, and those were the only target cards. Two, uh, two Mirrodin's Brothel and Aegon Sill and Mad King Harris. But I'll tell you, all of them except for actually Mirrodin's Brothel were money all day. And part of the reason Mirrodin's Brothel didn't work out for me was because, uh, I heard from somewhere that the Ancient Mariner trick didn't actually work because really? there was, yeah, the, the argument was there was no point of initiation, so you couldn't actually respond to it. And it turns out that's wrong. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I having heard that, I lost to a uh, a Targ, no less, uh, Maester deck, a Rusted Maester deck, oh. because I had uh, an Ancient Mariner sitting out there, and I just never triggered the response, because I thought it didn't work. And it was kind of frustrating, but I mean, those types of things happen, and I later found out, you know, so it was fine. I had actually done it in previous games, not knowing, and then I asked, and yeah, that's what was mentioned. But, I mean, that ended up being fine. Uh, the deck is a lot of, uh, a lot of cancel, as you might expect out of, out of Greyjoy. A lot of, uh, saves, or a good number of saves. Only two events, two risen from the sea, because, frankly, I think events are on their way out. And j- just two attachments, King of the Isles, same thing. It's, uh, you know, attachments never been super, they, they've been strong when you were allowed to play a bunch of them, but Maesters, they're still good, but they're not, like, as prominent as they used to be, that's for sure. So, uh, and I mean, it's it's basically just a slower character control deck with location control included and just the ability to keep things on the board while making sure your opponent's stuff goes away. One of the major issues I had with it was the draw, so I just uh, ended up making my restricted uh, Mummer's Ford and subbed in the uh, Turncloak's Task as my sixth plot and Valor as my seventh plot, obviously. And... Yeah, it pretty much plays as you'd expect. I'll be publishing the list shortly after this. Uh, one of the key cards that I added, uh, day of actually, ended up being money for me all, all day was Bitter Bridge. Yeah, uh, that seems to be really on, on the radar pretty hard again, uh, lately. Seems to be yep. really well positioned in the meta. Yeah, exactly. And it, I mean, it hit, in the game that I beat, uh, Aaron actually, Blazer, I beat him pretty badly, but it, it was not a good, game for him. He just got really unlucky with his draw, I think. But I got cancels and then Bitterbridge once he finally got out, like uh, Jogo and some other characters. So there was really no chance for him to even come back if he wanted to. Um, yeah, that was... That must have hit two or three people all day, which for me, having one of in a deck hitting three people is pretty efficient. Yeah, dang. Yeah. And because I'm running Refurbished Hulk, it just doesn't matter. Pretty much locations don't matter. You can pay for anything. If you want to pay for the original 10 towers, you can pay for it if you want to. 
You know, that that was, uh, if you don't mind me kind of interjecting with some more questions about the deck at the moment, um, that was actually something I really uh, was kind of curious about, because, okay, so if, I, if I'm looking at it right, you've got a 62-card deck, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, but when I was counting it up, you're running the full uh, three hulks, but uh, only, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven... Eight cards that they can lower, uh, one of which is a LIV dupe and one is a Heron Hall dupe. You know, did did you did it ever feel so, like uh, you were kind of junked up too much on that reducer? That's a very good point. Uh, I think there's actually nine, and the other thing, uh, just because Aaron's chambers. Oh yes, I missed the chambers. Yeah, but uh, that's a very good point, and that is one change that I would definitely think about making. The other issue that I actually ran into in one game was having two of those and a gatehouse in my opening hand after Mulligan. Oh, wow. I was kind of struggling to get, you know, the economy going. When that was my only economy, it was pretty rough for the first, you know, three turns. But. Right. Yeah, so my my kind of usual limit is just five limited uh, cards a deck, which, you know, you, you'd be down to if, if you dropped uh, one Hulk, but... The the limit between or the limit sorry the difference between five and six really isn't that big uh, in a deck like this so just every once in a while you uh, you hit those awkward hands yeah yeah I agree and that, I think that would definitely be a good idea uh, yeah so what other questions do you have well I was kind of curious because I was also looking at King of the Isles and if I counted right I think you've got seven triggers for it um, though let's see. Heron Hall has a dupe, but discards itself, so we're probably okay with counting both of them. So let's see, two there. Reaver makes three. Raider makes four, five. Nestoris is six. Eris is seven. Okay, and then King of the Isles itself is is eight. Uh, yep. Though potentially with the duplicate uh, there. So did did it feel like you had enough uh, prize triggers floating around uh, on it? I mean, I've heard some people really uh, have been pretty happy with King of the Isles, but it it just doesn't seem uh, the the effect itself doesn't seem enough to me. And then now I wondered if if you quite had enough triggers. So that's a very good question. Also, uh, I found that I did have enough, but mostly because of running the rivers plus. Right. I've tried to pack in just as much draw as I could outside of those as well. Like, I've got uh, Kingsguard Jamie, I've got Serio, um, Tycho, Nestoris, uh, and, you know, a handful of other things, I believe. And really, you just need to be able to draw into them, so that was a huge part of it. Um, but frankly, you only need that card maybe one out of every three matchups or so. King of the Isles, I'm referring to. It's just, it's just to get in there and cause havoc. And there's an old adage in chess, which I'm also a frequent player of, that goes, the threat is often more stronger than the execution of the threat. So by having it sitting there, and they can see that it's activated, they have to rethink their entire turn in order to figure out, can they do what they need to do to, you know, whatever it happens to be. Um, and that can often cause a lot of problems for people. Most, a lot of people just can't think their way through, you know, every little bit of what I could possibly do in addition to that. Um, like, if I have a cancel at hand, they didn't know I wasn't running uh, to be a Kraken, but if they did, 
then they can plan a little bit easier. But if I was running that or C6, C6 would be a very good addition to this deck, I think. Um, then, you know, they might have just completely miscalculated everything. So it's, it's more of a threat card or a show me card, as some people say, rather than a, uh, you know, an absolutely integral piece of the deck. You know, actually, uh, that's kind of a good point, uh, that in a little different way, uh, of looking at it that just clicked, because usually so often, uh, cancels are answer cards, answers to, uh, some, some question, some problem that the other deck has posed to you. But one that just kind of, uh, lies in wait, so to speak, like this, uh, that you pre-activate is not an answer in the, the usual cancel sense. Uh, I hadn't really thought of it, uh, like that before, that it is the, the question card, uh, that makes your opponent try to figure out which of their events in what order, um, or sorry, triggered effects uh, in general, in, is in what order is the right answer to it. Exactly. Yeah. Huh. Okay, that actually does make me like it more. Yeah, I, I use it as a disruption card, which I think this deck is a lot about disruption. It's, it's just designed to get figure out their plan and prevent it from going off. It's not, it's not like a rushy deck at all. It, it's very slow, actually. That's one thing that I wanted to improve about it if I were to play this in a future tournament. But uh, other than that, I'm not really sure. I mean, definitely I'm going to be going down on the Reefer Salt. That was a really good idea. Yeah, it, it looks like a, a very, uh, very toolboxy deck there. Uh, and, it, and it's nice that the Turn Cloak's task gives you the option to go grab a particular target card you may need. Uh, to fill that hole, so that that'd be something maybe I'd take a little peek at is just double check if there's some other targ card or two that's worth including as a singleton uh, yeah. as that answer. Yeah, I was going to mention uh, I have found that having just single cards with turn cloaks tasks is is easily enough. You don't really need more than that. If you know if the card is impactful enough and if it's uh, if it's not easy to get rid of, then it's definitely Really, really good. That combo is extremely powerful. Yeah. I, I would say maybe one Dario. The fact that he can knock off a knight uh, is awfully strong these days. Yeah, yeah especially because Barrow Knights is gotten so big. Mm -hmm. And even even otherwise, I mean, your own deck here proves Kingsguard Jamie is uh, in a lot of decks. Yeah, that's true. Very good point. Hmm. I like it. Uh, you know, cause at first when I heard it was going to be uh, Targ Conquest to, uh, or sorry, Greyjoy Conquest to Targ, uh, yeah. I thought it, it might uh, have some similarities to the deck that I had played at uh, Gen Con. Um, but uh, I, I think it's um, only tangentially uh, similar in, in the combination of houses. Uh, you def definitely took a very different tack to it. And I think the the river plot cycle was much superior. Uh, I tried to be much more toolboxy with my plots, um, and I, I I think the draw off of the rivers is probably the better choice and save the toolboxiness for the deck itself. Yeah, I I'm not really sure. Honestly, I didn't know what you played because I don't think we got a chance to play. But uh, I do know that with Greyjoy, like toolboxy just kind of comes with the house. Yeah, going going along very nicely with the cancel 
course, the location removal. Now they've got things like the Orkmont Reaver for uh, some nice character removal, uh, things of that nature. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, the other aspect of the deck is that I tried to pack in as many intrigue icons as I could, kind of like most people do with Stark these days, where they, as long as you have enough intrigue icons, you can just win the game. Mm-hmm. That was my hope. Actually, was intrigue starved in a lot of the games, which I don't understand, but... Yeah, well, I'm, I'm looking here at the breakdown of the chart since I uh, imported it into Card Game DB, uh, and it, it looks like only about a quarter of your icons, 24.1%, are... Uh, our intrigue, so you may not have uh, pushed it as much as you were hoping you did. I think you're right. I think, uh, yeah, I'd probably add another Orkmont Reaver. Um, that card is really good. Even if it gives two prize, man, it is so good. Mm-hmm. Dropping in uh, Dario, like I had mentioned there in passing, would give you another intrigue. That's true. And with Melee, which is never bad. Yeah, it it, uh, it it is still such a better keyword than it gets credit for. He yeah, really I, pushes challenges through. Yep. And he'd be available on demand if you uh, if you have a drought of intrigue icons. Otherwise, um, you can just go grab him. Now, granted, you probably still want a target for him to hit. Uh, yeah. But again, you know, the night thing shouldn't be too bad against most houses uh, other than, well, probably probably other Greyjoy decks for sure. Yeah, most likely not Greyjoy or Targ, although it can't hit some Targ decks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my two losses ended up being to a Lanny, not really rush deck, it was no agenda deck, it just happened to get a rushing hand. And I was, I cleared the board with Valor, got rid of his Golden Tooth Mines, and he was just able to continue churning out characters somehow, and I, I didn't have answers to them at the time. Because, like I said, it is a slow deck, so when he gets off his Iron Island Brigands, and or not Iron Island, excuse me, House Clegane Brigands, it just ends up being a lot of effort to try to get back into it when all your characters are melt. So that, that was painful. Yeah, the brigands there. I'm kind of looking through. Uh, that's not uh, not a card that you have many direct ways to deal with. It doesn't have the negative traits. Uh, gosh, one of your best bets might be uh, just using raiders. Um, to stop them on the incoming military or force through your own against it. Yeah, that's true. Um, likewise, carrion birds stealthing around it. But uh, playing the rivers means you don't have any to claim, and Lanny's probably dropping enough uh, little weenies of one nature or another that it's probably not in uh, in danger of dying to claim. Yeah. That's pretty much true, yeah. That's what just ended up happening. I just lost on like the fourth turn, getting run over. And then the other one was against the, the Targ Maester deck after I didn't think Ancient Mariner worked. Not that that's the only reason, I'm sure. I mean, played by Brick Fitch, one of the Boston people, who's really, really awesome. And, uh, yeah, he, he played it superbly and just crushed me. So it was, it was a good game, but, yeah, it was not really... There's nothing I could do, pretty much, even if I think Ancient Mariner worked. You know, uh, thinking about it, what I, what I almost kind of wonder, because I was trying to rack my brain for uh, uh, some removal options for you that could help you in those kind of situations, you do have a pretty strong uh, power icon presence uh, at a pretty low cost with things like the Ancient Mariner 
and uh, the bosun and such. I wonder if uh, Seductive Promise might be worth a thought uh, to push through that power and uh, and take troublesome non-uniques out of the equation. That's a really good idea. Yeah, I definitely like that. One thing I found that I was missing was, even though I don't really think events are that good right now, primarily because of Paranormal, um, I do think that the deck could have used a few more to have a little bit more dynamic answers to things. Like, what you see for this deck pretty much is what you get. There's not going to be any, or not too many surprises. And that's where it's kind of, it's a little bit difficult to play because of that. It, I will say it's extremely fun. So once I publish it and everyone sees it and tears it apart, just try it. And I bet you'll have fun with it regardless. Yeah, well, and one of the nice things about uh, playing Greyjoy uh, is they've got the best capability to make sure their events still go through regardless. You know, yeah. things like King of the Isles and uh, River Blockade, and of course, you know, potentially some of your own uh, more direct stuff like Heron Hall or Alanis, uh, mean your opponent has some, some real trouble um, finding the most opportune time to use Heron Hall where you can't make at the very least an equal trade or a lot of times a much more favorable trade to cancel their hair and all. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, the more I, the more I look at it, the more I uh the more I really dig it. I may very well uh put something similar like this together uh myself. Been been trying to drum up a little more interest and excitement uh in myself and the guys down here and putting something together for first edition uh and this might might be worth me tackling. Cool. Yeah, it's uh, this one I would say was the most inspiring one I've made in recent times. In Worlds, I played my fiance's deck, and then for for Joust, and then um, uh, a NYC meta deck for melee. And I didn't really feel inspired in either case. And then you know, I didn't do that well either. But then I came back, <clears throat> and I was just my head was racing, and, and this one really kind of push the envelope for decks that I would normally build. Because I'm typically more of an early game deck builder. I don't really care too much for late game. Not not talking rush, I just mean like aggro or even uh, tempo control type decks I prefer to late game decks. Whereas this one, you know, having the rivers makes it late game apparently, but everything else in there makes it late game too. So it's it's just a very weird deck that uh, I think is unexpected. And I think you can go far with it in you know, even competitive terms. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks for bringing it on here to, to show it off and talk about it some there, Kyle, and talk about the, the event. Glad it was a blast and went pretty well for you. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it was a really, really good tournament. And, you know, maybe then I can even talk you into publishing the deck list in the comments to this episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm planning to. <laughs> On to some props and slops. Cool. All right. Well, uh, tell you what, I've I've got one. I'll I'll throw out here for the listeners. Uh, and give you the the chance to think of some because I think uh, you said you were gonna do that on the fly. Yep. So I'm I'm gonna start with a prop to the Telltale Game of Thrones. Uh, video game, hence the uh, the intro quote this week: "The House Forester, House Words, 
and um, yeah, it was a great play. I don't want to get uh, into too spoilery of uh, of territory with it, but uh, in a nutshell, for anyone not familiar with it, uh, it follows House Forrester, Bannerman of the Starks, uh, responsible for um, guarding and harvesting and uh, and woodworking with uh, the ironwood forests in the north. And um, the first episode starts you uh, roughly in the middle of book three. The War of the Five Kings is is raging pretty heavily, so it's very tumultuous time for someone sworn to the Starks. Um, and basically, as anything you would expect in Game of Thrones land, uh, the shit hits the fan, um, and you are stuck uh, playing Manny in the Fort, so to speak, as multiple characters, uh, either members of the house or, or folks sworn to them, uh, and trying to scramble to uh, to keep the the family together and, and protect it as best you can. Um, and it's it was a it was a wild ride. Of course, the the Telltale games are uh, just very story-driven with these kind of branching um, conversation uh, scenes and quick-time events as kind of their mainstays. They're not action-y, Shadow of Mordor, Halo, or, you know, Destiny-type video games here. And uh, they, I think, nailed... Uh, the Game of Thrones world and uh, just kind of the feel of things. Of course, it's it is um, re- heavily influenced by and references back to the TV show. Of course, they have Lena, Lena Headey uh, doing the vo- voice of Cersei. They have uh, they have uh, what's her name doing Marjorie's voice. Now I can't think. Uh, and Tyrion um, is indeed help me out here. I can't, I can't think of any actors na- or actresses' names beyond Lena Headey now for some reason. Peter Dinklage. That's the ticket. There we go. Yep. So Peter Dinklage is doing Tyrion's voice, and uh, the the Forrester family um, are not someone heavily detailed in the novels. I think they're they're just kind of mentioned in passing. But they've gone and fleshed them out uh, into, well, essentially the full House Stark family. Uh, you'll you'll see what I mean when you start playing. They are very obviously uh, stand-ins for the Starks themselves, but they couldn't uh, let you play as the Starks and you know make decisions that would widely change their story. Um, but they're uh, respectable analogs, and uh, I had a blast with it. It was very shocking. So if you you play it, let me know what you think at the end of this episode. That's awesome. Uh, I want to get props to the NYC meta. We have, I, I still think we're probably the friendliest meta in the game, although that's certainly up for debate. And in addition to that, you know, these guys they work up really hard to keep you know keep pushing everyone in the meta to just do as well as they can to the point that like we had extra cards and stuff from Worlds because Jane and I played the same deck so we just gave away the rest of the cards to new players so that they could have them and I think uh, that's the type of mentality that 
really, really is awesome. I'm not trying to exemplify myself there. I'm just saying we all have that mentality here in New York, and uh, it's really, really nice to get new people into the game that way. Hey, that is a very worthwhile prop there. And I have to say, uh, all the folks I've had the opportunity to meet uh, from NYC, and, you know, granted that's uh, a fairly small number since I haven't been able to travel up that way, uh, but everybody's been very, very awesome to uh, to meet and hang out with. We'll get you up here. Don't worry about that. Yeah, one, one of these days. One of these days. Yeah. Uh, uh, I had... Did I have a slop? I think I did actually have a slop. Uh... In particular, to Ancient Mariner. <laughs> <laughs> okay. For being a tricky read and, and making it so that uh, I didn't even have a chance against the, the Maesters. I, I hate Maesters so much. Wow. And it's uh, it's surprising, I think, to hear much, much about them uh, in that hated context these days after, uh, after the years. So. That's true. That's true. Never, never, uh, never let it die, Kyle. Oh, I won't. <laughs> um, let's see, what else do I have uh, floating around here? You know, uh, this one's not so much a really a proper a slop, but a request. I know uh, over the the months and years here, I've definitely gotten some great uh, TV suggestions from some listeners, and I swear one of these days I'm going to get around to watching Hannibal. Uh, but also, um, I saw that, um, I generally use Barnes and Noble, my, well, both paper and digital reading, but, uh, digital is where it really gets me, uh, flipping through the next store and buying things on the cheap. And they recently, uh, added audiobooks, uh, with a, with a Nook app. And so I've been looking for some audiobooks to listen to. And I definitely know some of the listeners out there. Uh, check out a bunch of those. So if you've got some really solid recommendations, um, I would love to hear about that because I downloaded uh, the first book in Brent Week's uh, Black Prison Trilogy because uh, I'd seen a lot about it before. And wow, I almost cannot stand listening to that reader who sounds like he's reading to a class of kindergartners. Um <laughs> So, I would like some better suggestions. Nice. I second that. Uh, and I have one final props, if I can. Uh, I want to give props to Jane, because she gave me, not exactly some advice, but a really good thing that she said to me that made me happy. And I think there's a lot of uh, sentiment that people just aren't going to buy, you know, the remainder of the packs in the first edition and so forth. And what she said was very simple. And I was one of those people at first. I was thinking, well, I guess, you know, I'll just try to make do and see if I can get by. And she said, we're going to take this game and we're going to give it the send-off it deserves. And we're going to welcome the new edition with open arms. And you're going to have to buy packs to do that. And that's absolutely fine. You know, they it's the first time I've ever considered myself maybe loyal to a company, which is very rare for me. You know, I'm kind of a heavy mm-hmm. And I, I agree with her, actually, surprised me to find that, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of loyal to FFG, and I think I think we all should be. I think it's inspiring to think that we can send this game off with the, you know, the send-off that it really deserves and, and have a, a huge world championships next year and just let's all have fun and, and one last hurrah before the next edition comes out. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, I'm definitely going to be buying those cards and 
Honestly, I'm I'm getting really antsy waiting for them to get here. I I I just need that new card fix, you know? Get yeah, jittery. Yeah, same here. <laughs> well, I think that's uh that's all my props and slops for the moment. Uh, unless you had anything else. No, nope, I think I'm good. Thank you very much, Will. Yeah, quite welcome. Thanks for uh thanks for being on here, uh Kyle. Um and you know, just when Dave contacted me, Dave Stroms, that is, uh, Stromese, as uh, I had mispronounced it forever ago, uh, contacted the show about doing a little prize. It sounded like awesome fun. So if there are any other uh, tournament organizers out there that uh, would like to utilize that particular uh, prize as well, I would uh, definitely be willing to uh, work something out on that. I think it's, it's fun to get get some more folks involved. So make sure you uh, email us over here at twochampsonechump at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter uh, at the same or uh, give us a like on Facebook. We are rapidly approaching uh, 600 likes. So I'm I'm excited for that. And uh, we'll catch you on the other side of the danger zone.